Welcome to AWS She Builds Tech Skills with your host, Claire and Andrea. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of AWS She Builds Tech Skills North America. For those of you who I have not met before, my name is Claire Holly, and I lead a team of solution architects out in the Northeast for enterprise to mid-large accounts. I am normally out of the New York office, but I guess today I'm actually in Boston. I am in New England, yes. For those of you who know me, I actually used to live in Massachusetts for a while, but it's ironic, right? Because I come here and the one day that I come, the temperature drops to 50 degrees, <laughs> right? Everything else says 70 degrees, today is 50 degrees. I'm sure a lot of people who are watching from New England, you will not be surprised. Anyway, for those of you who have are just first time viewers, welcome, thank you for joining. But let me just give you a little bit of history about the Tech Skills Program. So originally the program was created as an inclusive and technical skills development program aimed to empower women and people who identify as women to, for them to be introduced to STEM careers. So we basically wanna make sure that we're developing future leaders in that area of technology. The program originated out of Australia and now they also have it in EMEA and each one of us tend to take on a different lens. With North America, we aim to highlight how our customers, many of whom are women, are making an amazing impact in the field of technology. So today I'm here with my lovely co-host, Andrea. And Andrea, why don't you also say where you're joining us from? 100%. Hi, everyone. Great to see you guys again. Um, like my you know, great colleague and co-host, Claire, I actually flew all the way to Sweden. I'm in Europe and broadcasting live from the city of Uppsala. Um, so great to see you. And uh, with us as well, I just wanted to introduce our moderator, Candice. Uh, she is in the background. She's done some really great work to prepare, you know, some banners and links for you. And we're super excited to obviously share some, some great insights into what, um, you know, we'll follow up on conversations we had with Keisha and, and um, you know, have a bunch of sort of Q&A sessions after that. But with that said, like, if you have any questions, Feel free to use the chat window. Candice is going to help sort of answer any questions. Um, so with that said, I'll just kind of kick it off here, uh, Claire, if you don't mind. And the first thing I think that that comes to mind um, is really around sort of, you know, the uh, economy today, right? As we've seen and read on the news or, you know, seen on TV, um, you know, tech companies, you, you keep hearing, you know, hey, this company is laying off resources, you know, this company is downsizing. So I was thinking for myself, is like, what are some good things to do in these times? And I think, you know, really upskilling yourself and educating yourself and training yourself is a good investment, right? Like it's a good thing to do in these times is really help you prepare with the right appropriate skills. As things pick up, you'll be prepared for the next wave. And some takeaways, I mean, I was thinking for myself, it's like, what are some things I did myself during the last, you know, 2008 recession? Um, and obviously the, the number of platforms and opportunities are vastly different now than 2008. But I would say the, the best thing to do now is really find like what you're passionate about, if it's technology, business, whatever topic is in, there's tons of online courses, some of it, you know, requires that you pay a subscription fee. Some of it is for free. But I would say, like, the, the couple of platforms that I would suggest, one is Coursera. If you haven't used it, you definitely have to go and visit. 
uh, a cloud guru is a great place to if you want to upskill yourself and learn you know aws um, services and even get the certificates that's the good one edx.org is another great avenue and then amazon has also a bunch of free training so aws.training um, and that's the link over there so that's great places to go and seek sort of training courses and figure out like what are you passionate about the second thing you could do in these times are you know networking I think it's a great opportunity to reach out to folks, professionals in, in the field that you might want to pursue a career in, or, you know, if you know someone who happens to work in the field that you're super interested in, get to know them, right? Talk to them, network as much as you can. This is a great opportunity. Attend events. There's so many, you know, meetup groups and other external forums that you can attend. I think is a great avenue to, to start sort of learning and navigating that landscape. And third, but not least, I think nothing prevents you from starting it now as a science project. Like if it's say, as with Keisha, you know, last time we spoke, she was super passionate about AIML, which she took on was a side project. And she just said, hey, like, let me go and grab a data set and figure out what tools and techniques I can use. And then she started a project that then led her to, to what she did. And we're going to obviously discuss that project. But I would say, like, don't be afraid of trying it out, right? Go and do something. Do a science project, right? Like, test it out. There's lots of free credits that you can get as well. Yeah. So that's what came to mind. And, you know, Andrea, I can't help but to um, comment on that part because networking is so key. Uh, I know sometimes we, you know, people are introverts, extroverts, it really doesn't matter, but you have to make sure that you become comfortable being uncomfortable. And I like to call it prescriptive networking because um, a lot of times your next opportunity can just be from you going out and having a, going to an event. You just never know. So another thing I also want to highlight, and we talked about this the last time, is actually that AWS, the She Builds program, has a mentoring program. This is going to be for anyone over the age of 18, and pretty much it's a three-month program. And the reason why we're bringing it up again is because the window for the application closes at the end of May. So it's a great way for you to network, uh, meet additional people within AWS, and also get some tips and tricks of what they've been doing along their career. So definitely any questions, you could also email us as well. So in our last episode, we actually had Keisha, uh, Keisha Williams, who was that award-winning technology leader. I mean, she's the ML hero. She actually joined us and pretty much she shared about how she was constantly reinventing herself, right? So she had to reinvent herself to stay up to date with technology. She was a Java um, developer and then ended up having to turn into Python. But she actually shared about her business use case behind her latest um, concept, which is called the public safety engine. And the great thing about that is how she leveraged uh, machine learning in order to remove bias from predicting crime. So it's actually pretty interesting. <laughs> she actually uh, was able to go on the TED Talk show for that. So without further ado, we're actually going to air that video. But I want you to pay attention because, you know, here we normally give away a, a special prize, right? But we can't give away the special prize if you don't answer the question. So pay attention to some of the learning modules that you hear about. Hi, welcome to another episode of She Builds Tech Skills for North America. I'm Andrea Sabet, and I'm here with uh, Claire Holly, who's my co-host. And uh, 
Keisha Williams, thanks for coming and joining us again. Really happy to have you on the show. Thank you for having me back. Awesome. So in this episode, we're going to do a deep dive of the public safety engine you described in our last episode, which is all about crime, predicting crime. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that you got this inspiration from Minority Report. So our audience would love to dive deep, technically understand what runs behind it. And I, as far as I understand, it runs on AWS. We'd love to kind of understand better a little bit about the different components, how it works. So let's dive straight to it. Sure. I would love to review this architecture. Like you mentioned, it is a public safety engine, just pre-crime from the movie Minority Report. It all runs on AWS. Um, The data is from the UK, so essentially stop and search data. And we're training a model in this case to answer the question, will the stop lead to an arrest? So that's an overview of the solution. And if you start here, you look down on the bottom left in the training plane, you have a SageMaker notebook. Um, And within training, training actually produces the final model, um, which is a mathematical model that holds the, um, the trends and patterns uncovered in the data. So that's the final artifact that this um, system is, is meant to produce. And so number one, you have the SageMaker training notebook. It's a Jupyter notebook. It's where I write the Python code to train this custom model. And if you look over at the data plane, so when it, whenever you have a machine learning system, data is the most important part of, of it. And typically the raw data that you have, it's not in a format that a machine can learn from. And so you have to process and clean that data and Data Wrangler allows you to do that. And then after the data is cleaned and processed, number three, you can place it in a feature store. Basically what that feature store does, it makes that clean data really available to any org, um, any org in your company that needs safety uh, data. So that's number three. And then number four, back in the training plane. So once you have your data, it's cleaned, it's processed, it's ready for training. Training is the process where you take that data, you feed it to a machine learning algorithm, and that machine learning algorithm then produces the model. So for number four, I'm using SageMaker images. That's basically a Docker container of the machine learning algorithm that I'm using. In this case, I use the XGBoost. And then after you pull that machine learning algorithm, you have number five, a training job that actually it's your Python code that kicks off the training process. I'm able to pull the data from the feature store using number six, Amazon Amazon Athena. And then after the training process completes, the model is stored in S3. So now I have this model that knows how to predict crime. I need to make it available really to the external world, any system that wants to incorporate um, crime prediction. And so number eight, through SageMaker model hosting, I'm able to put an API endpoint on top of that model. And then number nine, the Lambda sort of serves as the controller. It pulls in the request from the client passes that information to the model, gets the response back. This is a yes or no response back from the model and returns it to the client. 
And on top of the Lambda, there is API Gateway and Amazon Cognito um, to really secure that API and make it available to external clients. Great. So this is a kind of a two-layer architecture, but the bottom layer is really focused around training the model, cleansing the data, training the model, and making it available. And as I see from this architecture, the top part is the inferencing, is how you consume the data. Right. So a big part of this is actually the whole data cleansing. We understand how in the beginning you kind of leverage the SageMaker notebooks by leveraging Python, but how do you get the data in? I mean, when you get that raw file, it's probably not really possible. So how are you actually able to get this into your solution? Right. Data Wrangler is the star of that. I remember when I, th this solution has gone through several iterations. The very first iteration, I did not have access to Data Wrangler. So I had to manually do a lot of the cleaning <laughs> and preparing, and that took a lot of time. Um, so Data Wrangler is the, like I said, the star. It helps you take your raw data and transform it into a process that a machine can learn from. Because at the end of the day, a machine is going to learn from numbers. It can't learn from text. So there's a process of taking your text or your string data and transforming it to a numerical data. Um, there are transformers within Data Wrangler that allow you to do that encoding of your data. There are also visualization tools, um, heat maps within Data Wrangler to help you understand the correlation between the different features in your data set. Um, we know from machine learning, if features are highly correlated, it means that it's teaching the, the model uh, the same thing. So you could potentially remove one of those features, reduce your training time, reduce your costs, and speed up your time to market. Um, so with Data Wrangler, it helped me to do that. It helped me to identify outliers in the data. An outlier is just really a number that is far away from the norm. And typically you don't want the machine to learn about these outliers because it can make the um, predictions less accurate. And so Data Wrangler really helped me get my data ready for the machine learning process. Great. Amazon ECS SageMaker Images, I think that's Amazon Elastic Container Service SageMaker Images. You mentioned that from there you have machine learning algorithms that you use. Maybe if you can explain what is machine learning algorithms and how do you decide which one to pick for your job? Sure, that is a great question because there are a ton of machine learning algorithms out there. Really all, they, they serve different purposes. And so when you think about selecting a machine learning algorithm, it's all about the problem you're trying to solve, the question or the answer that you want back from the machine. So in my specific case, I wanted a yes or no answer back, and that is considered binary classification. So there are particular machine learning algorithms that can train a model that can answer or solve a binary classification problem. And with Amazon ECS, all of the learning algorithms are essentially Docker containers that you can pull into your code um, to do that experimentation. And so specifically for this public safety engine, because it's a binary classification problem, out of the box, SageMaker comes with several machine learning algorithms that can solve that problem. 
And so I experimented with Linear Learner. I experimented with XGBoost. Um, and what I realized just out of the gate, um, XGBoost performed better for my data. And so you'll see within the machine learning lifecycle, there is a lot of experimentation with different learning algorithms, trying to see which one works better with, with your data. And Amazon ECS, like I said, provides all of the, the different machine learning algorithms that you can pull into your code and experiment with. And, and Kisha, how do you determine like which model is or which algorithms is better? Do you have a kind of a say, for example, like a pr prediction percent of you know accuracy? How do you go about to decide which one to pick? That's another great question. There are several metrics that coincide with, uh, with the learning algorithm. So for example, you mentioned accuracy. There's also several metrics like um, R squared. And so once you train a model, you typically reserve a portion, maybe 30%, maybe 20% of your training data to actually test that model to see how well it's um, predicting. And so you look at the metrics to determine is this a good model or is this a bad model? And like I said, out of the box, when I used XGBoost and I looked at the like those metrics, accuracy um, and so on, it performed better out of the box. So you, you use metrics to judge your model. If we look at this architecture from a high availability standpoint, how do you avoid having a single point of failure? I mean, how would you actually look to productionalize this environment and ensure that it's resilient? Right. First, I would say this, as it exists today, there are several changes that need to be made to it um, before it's really ready for what I call prime time. And so one, definitely having a multi-account multi strategy where I separate my development environment from my staging environment, from my production environment. And then when you think about just oper operationalizing a machine learning um, project, I would definitely as next steps pull in ML ops. So set up automated deployment to production, set up retraining, automated retraining when new data comes in. Um, I would set up monitoring <clears throat> of the model in production as well. And in terms of, uh, you know, as you start building this out, I'd love to get your perspective of how did you incorporate cost controls? Like it's very easy to train a model and then all of a sudden your cost goes out of control. Like how did you incorporate that into this? Well, I could say I definitely learned that the hard way when I started out way back when. Um, there weren't a lot of tools available that are available now. So when I, I always tell the story when I received my very first um, machine learning bill, it was more than my car note and I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> um, but since then, since then, there are a lot of free tools out there. I mentioned to you about the experimentation with the different learning algorithms, trying to see which one performs better on your data. A lot of that experimentation I paid for back then, but now there are tools like SageMaker Studio Lab, 
which is a lighter version of SageMaker where it's free for you to use it. You're not uh, tied to an AWS account. You don't need a credit card to, to get started. And so a lot of that experimentation can be done in SageMaker Studio Lab for free. And then once you sort of land on, okay, XGBoost is the best machine learning algorithm for, for my data, there is a way for you to link from that lab environment to the full-blown Amazon SageMaker, where you can actually go through the, the training process, set up the ML ops and, and all of that. So you can get started for free. Nice. So I guess, what's next? I mean, right now we know you have data from the UK, but what's next for, <laughs> for this solution? Right, there are so many exciting next steps. Um, but one big thing is getting data from the US. So I was super excited to find data from the UK. I think I'm going to like revive my search for um, stop and search data from the US. And then I would retrain the model to now include um, the United States. I think that's a great next step um, for this public safety engine. Awesome. That was great. You know what Keisha described, she's so inspiring. I mean, she had a wealth of knowledge, but it was great to dive a little bit deeper to understand the technology. So what we wanted to do, Claire and I, is, uh, you know, just analyze it a little bit, maybe ask each other a couple of questions and, and figure out if what we personally kind of, um, you know, got from the conversation. But, but um, Claire, I wanted to ask you, what resonated the most with you? You know, listening the second, to the second part, the technical deep dive. So actually, I thought it was interesting because I, I never knew all the capabilities that Data Wrangler actually had. So, for example, the fact that, I mean, she mentioned in the earlier stage, she had to do a lot of the data cleansing itself. So now she was able to use Data Wrangler to do that. It was actually able to help identify outliers. So that way her models are actually predicting, predicting accurate information. And it does all of this by user and visual representations. Another great thing was that who knew that Amazon ECS had all the learning algorithms built in. So the nice thing about that is that you can actually pull that in since it's a Docker container, you can actually pull that in right into your code. So definitely helps being able to develop and learn machine learning much quicker than starting from scratch. So Andrea, what are, what are your thoughts? Same question for you. Yeah, and, I think and wait and real quick, an audience, can you type in if there was anything that resonated with you as well? So go ahead, Andrea. No, I think uh, the algorithms was was interesting. You see, you know, when I started doing data science personally myself, I thought, look, you know, I need to learn, you know, how to code and how to build these algorithms. But the reality is, there's a whole bunch of like pre-built algorithms, the algorithms that you can pick from. So you have to just decide, like, what are the type of problems you're trying to solve? And then there's a, essentially there was a, like a spreadsheet that said, you know, if this is the problem type, then this is the algorithm to use. So in her case, like, I think she said she was using XGBoost, uh, but, but there's a whole bunch of like pre-made algorithms. And I think part of that is like, you just need to, you know, tune some knobs and then there's some parameters that you have to define. But other than that, my biggest takeaway was you don't need to be a data scientist or an expert in the field to be able to do this. It seems like you could start something very rudimentary. If you have a problem statement, just use what's readily available there. 
Claire. That's kind of what I got out of it. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Really interesting. I think that we have a question now to see from the audience to see if anyone was actually paying attention to this <laughs> or are they going to watch it after? <laughs> but what machine learning algorithm did Keisha select to train her model for yes or no responses? So again, that question would be, what machine learning algorithm did Keisha select to train her model for yes or no responses? We did say this was going to be a tricky one, but I, they told me it was too, too challenging, but I don't believe it was. So let's see if anyone can actually um, guess it. All right. So maybe while we'll kind of wait for people to post their answers, maybe I just kind of expand and maybe share some thoughts. So, you know, artificial intelligence, obviously there's many different nuances and types. Um, you may have heard, you know, just artificial intelligence in general, machine learning. Then there's reinforcement learning. Then there's a new trend that has just popped up called generative AI. So maybe we could just talk about generative AI and what it is. Um, generative AI, when someone says, you know, what is generative AI? To me, it's like a class, a class of artificial intelligence, right? Like there's many different types and classes. This is one type of them. And it's really designed to create new content, brand new content. And that content could be either text, it could be videos, anything that mimics or resembles a hum human created content. Pretty much that's, that's what generative AI is to me. So how does it work? So it's, it's deep learning technology, right? There's a very sophisticated compute heavy type of technology and it analyzes patterns in existing da data to generate new content. And the new content it generates, it resembles the data that it was trained from, right? So I hope that gives you context. I hope this makes sense to you. So in order to do this, you need huge, vast amounts of information, vast amounts of data. So it looks at the previous data and then generates new content, right? And the new content resembles the old data, which is very interesting. And I think things, areas where this is applied is, uh, you know, in chat bars, chat bots, you might have seen virtual assistants. It's used to create art, it's created to create, um, to create music. I mean, the, 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 I mean, I, I don't know, Claire, if you've tapped into these, but the opportunities are endless. I mean, this is like going insane. What are your thoughts, Claire? I was actually just laughing at Chris Boone, how he goes, I work for Amazon, what did I win? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you're right. I mean, we're eventually, I mean, Amazon Bedrock is, you know, that will be coming out soon. But just imagine being able to take, um, like I remember we were dealing with a customer who has um, healthcare, right? And just think of a customer getting all their patient billing, right? So they have all this billing papers. It's like, 15 pages, the customer's like, what is this? What does this really mean? This is too much. So imagine being able to process that through Amazon Bedrock and being able to get a summary of it in a hundred words. I mean, that's more optimal and that's more realistic, especially when you think of somebody that's more on the senior side, they have no time to read through 
12, 15 pages of documents. They need something that's quick and to be able to summarize. So definitely, this is here to stay. It's definitely going to make an impact and we can see how it could definitely scale for uh, lots of companies and customers. 100%. Seems like we have a winner as well, Claire. Yeah, we have Chris Boone. He, he won, but <laughs> uh, when you email us, Chris will give you the information, okay? What what did I win? Well, we find out, sure. You know? Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Great. So, you know, we definitely enjoyed having Keisha Williams on this show. We did the two-part episode where she kind of talked about the business use case, and then we dove deep technically. We look forward to having her back on the show. I'm sure she's going to venture off and do something creative. We will follow her, so stay tuned. Uh, we'll definitely try to see if she attends one of our upcoming, you know, say the summits or reInvent or any other conferences. We'll definitely br bring her back on show. And also stay tuned in two weeks. I think is May 23rd is next uh, in two weeks, the Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to have Dapter, which is another company who is going to talk about how they handle big data. So we're going to have their CEO um, step in and really explore kind of and describe how they're using big data. So looking forward to it. We want to thank you for um, obviously participating and, you know, answering questions and, and uh, tuning in. We'd love to see you again in our upcoming show. And uh, thank you, Claire, as well, and, and uh, Candice for being on the show. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Take care. Have a great Take day. Care.